gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero Superman Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring The Thrilling Adventures of Superman Golden Age Superman The Superman Fan Podcast Superman in the Bronze Age From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast The New 52 Adventures of Superman Superman Forever Radio I've got a few things to say about Superman The Kara's World Podcast The Superman Vidcast The World's Best Podcast And... Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, J. David Weeder, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Danny Sapp, Cayman Stoll, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co host Scotty V at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El came to Earth, whose environment gave him fantastic powers. In Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil the world over as Superman. Episode 76 and a half and a half of Superman in the Bronze Age, the only podcast on the internet covering Superman's adventures from 1970 to 1986. Ish. Ish. <laughs> I am your host, Charlie Neymar, and today I am, well, this is part two of a two-part look at a famous comic from the 70s, and to help me, I am joined by J. David Weider. Yay! And which, if you have not downloaded Superman Forever Radio episode 74 you may be a little lost because we are picking up right in the middle of the book yeah so you know if you need to go download that uh, go do that listen to that come back and we'll wait yeah there we waited yeah we waited a little bit okay so basically what we're doing this is a live broadcast live broadcast live podcast live recorded at the 35th annual superman celebration in metropolis illinois and it's memorex but we're, we're here live yeah getting weird looks <laughs> We've seen a lot of cosplayers and a lot of people giving us weird looks. It's been cool. But we are covering Superman vs. Wonder Woman, released as, what was that, Collector's Edition C- C-54. 54. January 19- 1978 is the cover date. It went on sale October 16th, pardon me, October 13th of 1977. Which was several days before Dave's birthday. Just a few days before I was born. Just a couple days, yes. And we have, uh, on Dave's show, Superman Forever Radio, we did cover the first three chapters of the book. Today we're going to cover chapters, I guess, four through six, right? Well, that would be my expectation. Yes, yes, that would work. So we're going to jump right into it. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Drop it on me. All right. Chapter four is Confrontation. At the bottommost level of the War Department building in Washington, D.C., Diana Prince does something, I'm not exactly sure what. 
to cause the fuse to blow and the power to go out. In the ensuing confusion, she enters the door marked Ultra Top Secret and quickly searches through the files until she finds the Manhattan Project file. After unlock, after unlocking, after knocking out a guard to ensure her getaway, she quickly hurries to an elevator and climbs up the cables to a deserted floor, then returns to her office as if she'd been there the whole time. At this point, she finally reads over the files and is shocked. Shocked, shocked I, I tell, tell you. you. You'd think we'd planned that. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we're professionals. To find out exactly what the Manhattan Project is. Soon, she flies back to Paradise Island in her invisible plane as Wonder Woman. Not invisible jet. No, because this is World War II. Uh, to consult with Queen Hippolyta, which I think I spelled wrong in the notes. As long as you say it right, yeah, they as long don't as know. You say it, yeah. I didn't need to point that out, but whatever. Uh, who is, just happens to be her mother, in case you don't know that. Uh, about what? the I know. About the Americans making an atomic bomb. As they move on to talk in private, Superman returns to the Daily Planet and changes to Clark Kent. Inside, he gets an earful from Lois, who spent the last 36 hours in Navy planes trying to beat him back to the Daily Planet, only to find out that he never actually showed up. That would kind of take me off, too. Before she can finish yelling at him, Perry White exits his office and yells at both of them to get to the story on the Battle of the Midway. Battle of the Midway? On the Battle of, of Midway. Midway, yeah. Yes. And he needs that written immediately. That's part of the World War II. Yes, that's what I mentioned before. Although, even after they sit down and get to typing their parts of the story, Lois is still giving Clark crap because the story would apparently be finished by now if he hadn't just disappeared on her. But before much work can be done, Perry exits his office again with news that Wonder Woman is attacking Chicago, which of course is a job for Superman. Oh, wow. That was a good time. And then the Flash theme starts playing. What'd you think? You got notes? I got a few notes. Um, uh, Yeah, I was waiting for us. Uh, You pointed out the the title chapter is in the font for Superman Family. Which was an ongoing book at this time. Yeah. Here's Here's the gold right here. A cutaway. I will stare at cutaways for however long it takes for me to stare at them. Usually an hour, hour and a half. It's showing, it could be two hours, uh, it could be a day and a half, but you're seeing like the lower floors of the War Department, which is where we last saw Superman, but he's apparently not there currently. Oh, he was upstairs, though. Maybe. But I didn't see him in the cutaway, did you? No, there's no, although this guy looks like he's about to play tennis. It's ping pong, sir. Yeah. Well, it looks like he's about to serve. That's anyway. the ping pong room at the sub-level of the War Department. Did you not know about this? I was not aware, no. Wow. There's a lot of arm-waving on that cutaway. He's very dramatic. Yeah. They're all very dramatic. But anyway, if you look at the rest of the page, though, look at all the... There's a lot of people in there, all fully... Well, not fully detailed, but all detailed in their uniforms. I was about to say there's no faces repeated, but if you look at a lot of them, they're positioned very subtly, but they're positioned so you can't see their faces. Oh, yeah. It's a shadow or... or Shadow or we're looking too far away Mm -hmm. or they're walking away from us. But it looks really awesome. And... Hardly a computer in sight, because it is World War II. They're hardly. <laughs> well, there's that one. Oh, but that's the one that would fill up a room. Or at least a big chunk of it. Actually, I think there's some computers up. Anyway, next up. Now, if, can you tell exactly what it is Wonder Woman's doing here? Looks like she's shorting it out. How? With all the electrical machinery. It looks like she's taken a can or something out of her bag. Like a pin. Like a hairpin. pointed it. That's bigger than a hairpin. 
Yeah, okay, maybe I can't see. I you need your glasses? No. Okay. Touche, sir. Clark. Sorry. Ah. Uh, she's shooting something into it. Yeah. Or she's pulling something see, out. She's pulling like the fuse can. out. She's actually pulling the fuse out of the of the fuse okay, box. Then what's that? That's her purse. That's her purse. What's that? Or she's jamming something into it. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to tell. But she she does something to knock out the power. And everything goes Don't question the the science. Science. That's right. We mentioned you live, Donovan. Donovan Morgan Morgan Grant. Grant, Here in Metropolis. You have a presence here. Gathered around our our table. You don't have presence, but you have a presence here. You can have a present. Okay, but it's here. You've got to come get it. Yeah. Well, let's see. Moving right along. What, 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 what? Lights go out, everybody freaks out, and then we go from this espionage to Paradise Island. That's a heck of a tone shift. Yeah, it's beautiful. From like Cloak and Dagger to, well, Paradise Island. The mascara. Yes, you know, they never call it the mascara on this. Just I noticed that too. I'm wondering if, well, maybe they just did it that way. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know when it was, when it started being called the mascara. Neither one of us is up on our Wonder Woman trivia. We found that out. Good yeah. thing we're not at Wonder Woman Festival. This would be awkward. Awkward. Yes. On the plus side, on page 31, I told Dave this when we started talking about this. When I first got into comics, there was this really cool book called Comic Book Superheroes. And it literally covered all the, you know, all the really important superheroes that you would need to know at the time. Mm-hmm. You had your D- Batman, Superman. It started with Superman. But it had Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash. And then over in Marvel, it had like Spider-Man, the X-Men, Cap. Iron Man, what have you. And then it had a few independents like the Turtles and I want to say Savage Dragon. Anyway, the Wonder Woman chapter, just about all the artwork, other than a couple Brian Boland post, uh, uh, covers from the early 90s, were, uh, were images found from this book. This is my introduction to the comic book version of, of Wonder Woman. Page 31 is exactly the page they used in the book. Full, almost, so, not full size, but... So it's all Jose Garcia Lopez, all, praise be his praise name, be his name all the time. And that, that's a glorious one. Anyone, this, so this is my definitive Wonder Woman. If anyone else draws, them, draws her, it just doesn't quite look right. Blasphemy. As much as I love George Perez's Wonder Woman, yeah, Lopez's is better, in my opinion. But then again, it's the same with Superman for a lot of people. True. Well, as I said, Jose, Holy, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, name, is my definitive Superman, no doubt. He's actually pretty definitive on just about everybody, actually. Yeah. He's well, technically, he was the, the definition. Yeah, he, he did the style guides. I know, oh. and unfortunately, you know, it, it's kind of sad. We're going on a tangent, but I'm going to do it anyway. Fangent? That's like fan-gent. a fan tangent. It's I love it. Fan tangent. Well, we are fans, are we not? Fangent. And we are tangent. I'm coining that phrase. Yes. Off Shazam. of you. Shazam. And uh, what we're doing, apparently, since he was the artist for the all the licensing figures, he's got the definitive version of just about every DC hero that was around in the early 80s. Yes. Firestorm, Wonder Woman, Batman. He's still my favorite Batman. Got my favorite Batman. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Maybe Jim Aparo has crept up, crept up yeah. on that in a few and years. And Neil Adams is all, yeah. well, older Neil Adams. The newer stuff's a little uh, old school. Yeah, with old a K school. instead of a CH. Exactly. That's how they spelled it in old school. Yep. Uh, page thirty-two. Now we mentioned if you happen to listen to the la- to Superman Forever Radio when we covered the first half of this book, we did mention that this story takes place on Earth two. Mm-hmm. However, they've been pretty subtle about not mentioning that fact. In the and whole yet, book. it's just magically World War Two. 
and to really show that they were trying to kind of hide that fact, they had it at the Daily Planet. Yes, I, I have a note on that. Now, granted, well. if you're reading a Superman comic in the 40s, they did work at the Daily Planet. Because after, after a little bit of time at the Daily Star, well, the, they did the start idea at the that, Daily Planet yeah. by like 90, what, 40, 42, somewhere in there? Yeah, and the idea that it was called the Daily Star the whole time was retcon when yeah, that they was, brought the multi- uh, multiverse. Exactly. So the fact that they're at the planet again on here kind of also throws confusion. I almost like to call this Earth One and a Half. Yeah, Earth One and a Half. Um, but we get Clark in his almost George Reeves attire. Darn close. Yeah, even with the black tie. Walking in and Lois is being her normal 1940s Lois self. Yeah, she's frigid. However, on the next page, Perry White looks exactly the same as the Earth One Perry White. Yeah. <laughs> Hardly anything. Actually, he doesn't have as much gut, but I don't remember Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, praise giving his him name. much of a gut, if you look at the art. No, he was fairly svelte. We are set up next to an artist table, so he's got to walk past us a couple times. Yeah, when you're doing this live, it is, it is it spur of the moment. There are weird things that will happen. We will get distracted by cosplayers. Yeah. None Although there aren't any in here right now. Not at the moment. No, no. Oh, did you have any other notes for that chapter? No, that was pretty much it. Okay. Chapter 5. Or Report 5. What did I say? You said chapter. Chapter is actually... Chapter, I mean, it's uh, one uh, of the same. One of the other. Report 5. Showdown. Showdown! On Little unit? Tokyo. Except there's no Little Tokyo. That's right. Maybe, is there one in Chicago? No. Okay, I don't know. Campus of the University of Chicago. Wonder Woman is using a lamppost to destroy a building when Superman arrives. He tries to reason with her, but she just hits him with a lamppost. <laughs> Sending him into Lake Michigan, to which I thought from Superman 2, wow, run. <laughs> but no one treats him that way, and so he heads back and punches her into another building. She takes the time to explain that she's there to destroy the nuclear reactor being built there to remove the atomic temptation from America. At this point, the the warehouse, I can't believe I wrote warehouse, the warehouse, the <laughs> warehouse collapsed. I, I want to see that. That's <laughs> Comet cool. the Superhorse, actually. Uh, but at this point, the warehouse that they're fighting in collapses, giving Superman a chance to, to tell her to take the fight to somewhere else so that others won't be harmed. Does that sound, that doesn't come out no, right. That sounds right. Well, whatever. Um, but where are they going to go to fight where no one's going to get hurt? The moon? This is turning Maybe. into Superman a, for the quest for peace pretty quick. Pretty quick. Anyway, in Los Alamos, New Mexico, Sumo the Samurai prepares to attack the research compound while Baron Blitzkrieg... Craig or Krieg? Craig Blitzkrieg. Baron Blitzkrieg. Baron Baron Baron. Baron Baron Blitzkrieg. That's his That's neighbor. his DJ name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Baron Blitzkrieg will <laughs> drop the base only once. <laughs> Blair, the Blaren Baron. Prepares to do the same at the research center at Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Meanwhile, 240,000 miles away from Earth, Superman and Wonder Woman arrive on the moon. You were right. Yep, uh, I guess. It was just a lucky guess, I guess. But It's almost like you read this before. Whoops. Was I not and, supposed to? No. And they discover some ruins in the Tycho Crater? I think is how you pronounce it. I know it. nothing about lunar, lunar landscapes. It's usually dirt, dust, and rock. Usually, yeah. Yeah. Some craters. Uh, but it doesn't seem to matter because it's a fight in there a wanting. 
and while they battle, Wonder Woman notices that the ruins are glowing with radiation, leading her to believe that the civilization there that lived there died in some kind of an atomic war. But Superman apparently still doesn't care, and he continues to beat her up. Wonder Woman's kind of dumb. Oh. Oh. She's being dumb. Actually, I thought well, she was though, trying to figure out what's going on, and Superman's just, like, pounding the crap out of her. Can I say but, crap on the air? It's your show. We're going to go with it. No, she's just like, well, clearly somebody's blown this moon up. Superman doesn't give a butt, though. No, but, yeah, Superman's kind of enjoying slapping her around a little bit, I guess. Yeah, for a guy a that, spends ha- that spends half of Chapter 5 saying, hey, I don't hit women. He starts hitting a woman pretty quick. He has no problem beating the snuffing out of her. Anyway. There's a lot of jokes I would make here, but I will not. Yes, we're in a family-friendly fam- place. and Make your own dirty jokes. Superman shirt. I'm yes. old school. It's a anyway, golden age Superman for those that can't see, somebody. which is everybody. And it says, I am old You're school. You're not fighting a woman now. <laughs> anyway. Meanwhile, back on Earth, both Samurai and Bar- Baron Blitzkrieg begin their attacks at the same time, and both are equally successful in retrieving the two halves of the reactor. But while Baron Blitzkrieg prepares to rendezvous with the samurai, the samurai just heads home. I'm out. Gives the double deuces, like, I'm out. Peace. But with an accent. Out. Peace. I don't don't know. I I wasn't going to do that because that's kind of uh, stereotyping. He, he, He is kind of a stereotype, though. Well, the fact that he's wearing the Japanese flag kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, the character is a stereotype. And he's a samurai. Because that's all they have in Japan, samurais and sumo wrestlers. And ninjas. That's true, yes. And they're all karate experts. He's a a double whammy stereotype. He's sumo and he's a a samurai. I feel offended now. I do too. I'm not even from Japan. No. Nor have I ever been to Japan. But you got to keep in mind... Well, actually, this story isn't from... It takes place in World War II, but it's not from 1942, so you really can't use that either. Well, that's we were even friendly sadder. with Japan by that point, I believe, weren't we? Yes. Yeah. Ish. In any event, we start off with a two-page spread that is beautiful. Well, they're all beautiful. Well, I know, but I IMAX. actually have that note at the Comics beginning of each capture. Yes. Cap- uh, capture. Well, I finally chapter. gave up on my written notes. Like, this looks awesome. This is beautiful. Okay, I, I've, I've made my point. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Oh, Charlie almost, almost fell, fell off, off a stool. stool. And everybody saw it. <laughs> hey, I'm not embarrassed at all. By the way, we failed to point out that we just had Scarecrow checking out our table. Yeah, Scarecrow, take a look at Charlie's flyers. That sounds, that sounds wrong. Wrong. Anyway, uh, once again, we have Super... That's, that's one of them. Working from the left page and knocking out a uh, building to the right page. She's almost more central, though. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and he's flying in from the right. Yeah, he's the further left. left. Because I know my left and right. You're doing well, Charlie. You're doing uh, good. Uh, you'd think this was my show. Uh, Moving on to the next page. Literally, Wonder Woman hits a home run. Yes. She knocks Wonder Woman... Yeah, she knocks herself. She knocks Superman out into what I'm assuming is Lake Michigan. I love the thoom sound effect. And the splash. She knocked me into Lake Michigan. I mean, that's the next one, but I like how he gets it. I like, I don't believe it. She actually hit me. Wonder Woman hit me. Even if she is a woman, it's no Clark. one treats me that way, and I mean no one. That's how you know it's the Earth Two Superman. Yeah, is Superman, Superman gonna have to choke a Wonder Woman. Choke a Wonder Woman. Yeah, oh, I can't like, say the yeah, other. So. point. A peach. A peach. Is Superman gonna have to choke a peach? Yes, but see, Earth One would Superman would be like she must be under some kind of mind control. Yeah, there's got to be a reasonable explanation. Yes. Yeah, but he would keep calm about it. Earth Two Superman, especially during World War Two. 
He, he thought with his fists. Yes. So it's just very fitting in character. And, uh, yeah, the next page has her doing basically a somersault and flipping him into a building. you got to admit that's pretty darn cool. With a loud crash sound effect. See, I thought Broken like Glass was a... No, that's on animation. At the time, you couldn't, like on Saturday Morning Cartoon, you couldn't show Broken Glass because some kid would probably get the idea to go through a glass window. Who wouldn't? I wouldn't. I tend to avoid things that will harm me. I do everything that they do on TV. Well, that's why you're... That's why I'm not allowed to watch the... I uh, can't say the name of the show. That other show. You know, the one with the, on MTV that, where they yes. actually do that stuff? Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Do? Yeah, the Johnny Knoxville thing. Yeah. We're going to keep going. Awkward. Um, and then of Wonder course, Woman! I haven't done that once this episode. Oh, yeah, because you did it all in Europe. Yep. Yes. So... Okay, the next uh, we're getting up to page forty-one. The timing here does not work. Why do you say that? Okay, this whole battle has been during the daytime in Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. The next scene takes place an hour later. It says an hour later, after the previous scene in New Mexico. It's six o'clock p.m. Oh, okay. in New Mexico. Well, it could have been. Hang on. No, you're right, because it gets earlier there. Yeah, 6 o'clock p.m. in New Mexico. It's 5 p.m. Two things. It's 4 p.m. in Chicago. Yes. Or backwards, going backwards. Backwards. New Mexico, I think, is in mountain time. Maybe. So it's an hour behind. So technically, it it was also 6 o'clock in Chicago, which therefore was daytime, so it should be daytime here, but New Mexico is colored as nighttime. Well, it's always night in New Mexico. Yes. Also... This is June. Oh, that's a good point. So it would be... Except maybe... Some would be up until late. southern hemisphere, you're not going to have sunset at 6 o'clock p.m. No. Touche. Yes, thank you. Which looks like touch with the little <laughs> thing over the E. It's touch with a flare. Now, now in Tennessee, it would be 8 o'clock. Yeah. I'm still not sure it would be that dark, but it would probably it would be kind of dark. Anyway, yeah. it would be dark, but not that dark. Yeah. There's a full moon and everything in the image. But the, it's 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 always night. Okay. In Tennessee? Well, that's not Tennessee. Oh, that is Tennessee. Okay, I was going to say, that's the moon, Charlie. So it would be at the yeah, same can, time. Did with, you get Tennessee confused with the moon? But no, you're right. No, Tennessee's in... See, I would. Earth. You can chalk that up to a coloring error, perhaps. Not with the giant. Moon Are we sure it's image. day in Chicago? Well, yeah, because this is. If it's six o'clock. Okay, you're right. It does yeah, say six they, p.m. They have specific times. Anyway, oh, and it does say mountain time. That's how I figured no, it was mountain see time. Oh, what you did. So. I thought you were just pulling that out of your your knowledge base, but no. I wikied it. Really? No. Okay. I used my Google machine and googled it. Not really that either. All right, so up in the moon. Mad Google skills. Well Out of done. nowhere, we have a civilization that was on the moon. Superman doesn't care. He just starts pounding on Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's like, wait a minute. There's a civilization. Shouldn't we check it out? Or something like that. In the name of science? We have fun with that. Yes, I it love seems it. like whenever we get together, we do that. Yeah. I do it all the time. I don't know about you. I do it in just my normal everyday life. Oh, there's the money shot. Now, page 44 is a full page shot 
of, of Wonder Woman hitting Superman with her two hands together in one big I don't know what the proper name fist. of it is. I don't know what that's called. Mm-hmm. But it says, there's no sound in airless space. And more's the pity, for never has a blow struck like this one. And where it struck like and where it struck on Earth, the blast would echo for a hundred miles. There are squiggly lines coming out of the impact point. But that's awesome. Because he, can't, he didn't use a sound effect, but he replaced it with the squiggly lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should also point out that, even though I haven't mentioned it, everyone, they, the two characters are talking on, Earth, on the moon, regardless of the fact there's no sound effect, because Superman created some kind of microphone yeah. to allow them to communicate. That's how they're doing it. Wonder Woman's wearing a, a helmet, so... Well, she can't. She has to breathe. And why? Even on Super Friends, she had to breathe. Well, most of the time, people have to breathe. It's a big Superman part. Superman doesn't. That's why she's got the helmet. True. He does. Who Robin's here? Moving right along. Moving right along. So Getting Superman goes into Robin. this one building that just happens to be green. And when Wonder Woman's pointing out the radiation, I was thinking kryptonite. Yeah. It's not because Superman is able to break the building and. Curl it at Wonder Woman. But again, Superman doesn't care. Superman doesn't care about your first world problems. Or first moon problems. Yeah. As it is. Well, the moon was... Yeah. Wait, that's not a Twilight book, is it? No, that's New Moon. Okay. Thank you to my wife. (laughs) Yay! She'll never hear this. Nope. So, thank you, Holly. Would she get mad if I say her name? No. I've said it before. Okay, good. I'm not saying the whole thing. No. They probably won't figure out her last name. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so now we have a split page of the two villains heading into their... What's the word? The the research compound, yeah. And uh, this just reiterates the fact that Baron Blitzkrieg's costume looks yucky. It doesn't. It looks cool. He looks... uh, it's, It's the coloring technique of the time that brings that down. I'm sorry, but I don't know if even modern coloring techniques could make yellow, yes. orange, and magenta look cool. Yes, I've seen it. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I've seen it happen. All right. Yeah, as long as you bring it back, that's a Pilot G2. It's top of the line. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a guy writing a check at our table. I don't know what he's doing. It's his business. <laughs> We're going to do a play-by-play. To... Yes. Yeah, he's keeping track of his register. We're going to keep track. We're going to do a play-by-play. He's currently writing words. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, continuing on with the story. We have, have any ADD. More, do you have any more notes on that chapter? No, it was just, it, it happened pretty quick. Like, the chapters at the halfway point, once we hit the conflict, start popping Except and the locking. the last chapter. The last chapter is like 20 pages. Yes. Well, that's how it was. Kind of poor splitting up. True. Anyway, moving right along. The last chapter is Report 6. Six. That usually follows five. Yeah, unless you're going odds. That would be weird. Why would you do that? I'm not. It's the comic book. I don't know. Anyway, I've never seen a comic book follow odds. Seventies are weird. True. Um, Anyway, report six is conflagration. Is that how it's supposed to be said? I have no idea. Configuration. No conflagration. Yeah, whatever that word is, I've never heard of it. Anyway, moving right along. So at the Mount Palomar Observatory. Somewhere in the United States. Somewhere. The military Could be Mount trying, Palomar. The, the military are trying to contact Superman on Earth, but he isn't responding. Apparently, they didn't get the memo 
<laughs> we're about the big on, battle on the moon. Yeah, we're going to have a brouhaha on the moon. So they use the lights along America's coasts. Does Superman not have call forwarding? It's 1942. True, okay. They don't have that yet. He didn't get that till like, what, 19, 1978? Yeah, right around there, yeah. And then shortly after that was the caller ID. Yeah, that was yeah. a big step forward for the Man of Steel. Uh, so... The military uses the lights along America's coasts to send a Morse code message to our heroes. Who are busy fighting. That's pretty good thinking, but it might, it would have taken a while to get it up there because, you know... Light travels. Light travels slower, so... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so back at Baron Blitzkrieg's Mexican headquarters, because this is an international story, folks. Oh, I call him BB here. Because wow. it's easier than typing Baron Blitzkrieg. I like, the, I like the Blair and Baron, though. The Blair and Baron, Blair and Baron. Uh, is pretty upset the samurai has not returned and threatens to skin him alive. Well, that's awkward. That's harsh. He's pretty extreme. Go on. Who? Uh, He's not talking to us. Okay. We have people talking over us. It's kind of weird. Anyway. In Washington, D.C., Wonder Woman agrees to help retrieve the reactors in order to keep them out of enemy hands. Plus, the heroes learned that the reactors are highly unstable, or unstabe, as I've written, and could explode if activated. With that, the heroes are given highly sensitive Geiger counters to, you know, track the things, and they head off. Wonder Woman heads west, following the reactor, well, following her reactor heading towards the Pacific. Somehow, three Japanese Zeros spot her in her invisible plane. I told you it's a worthless accessory. It's a uh, cool well, idea I'm until thinking, you think it through. I'm thinking it might be weird watching a woman in a sitting position floating over the Tends sky. Tends to stand out, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, But apparently they spot her and send three planes after her. Because that's not overkill. And they attempt to intercept her, but she ain't letting that happen. No. In fact, she actually uses the wing of her plane to rip through one of the Zeros. Because that's how she rolls. She'll rip through you like that. Darn tootin'. She's a maniac. Maniac. Wonder Woman! You're going to make me pull up songs, man. I'm your music. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. 8,000 miles away. There's that's the streak. Yeah. But the streak is... He's not called that. The Blur. The Blur. From Smallville. Anyway, 8,000 miles away in New Orleans. That's New in Louisiana. New Orleans, Louisiana. New Orleans. <laughs> Superman has tracked his half of the reactor to the Big Easy and interrupts a meeting of several German men. There is an interesting scene about that, but I'll get into the notes. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> about how he finds where the German men are. In Honshu, bless you, Japan, Wonder Woman lands the invisible plane and meets up with Sumo the Samurai who refuses to give her the reactor, which, you know, makes sense because no bad guy just says, okay, I'll give it to you. There you go. Sure. Um, and after relating his origin of how he spent years learning the way of the samurai before being given a sacred potion of power that makes him better, faster, stronger, the two begin a fight. Thank you. The two begin a fight in which both hero and villain are pretty much evenly matched. Kind of, yeah. I uh, wouldn't think so, but... No, you wouldn't. Back in Nolans, after Nolans. Superman quickly takes out the German men, he's confronted by the Blair and Baron Blitzkrieg. 
who is about to drop the jam. And quickly demonstrates that he is a physical match for Superman. However, the Baron's reaction to a blast of Superman's heat vision tells the Man of Steel that the Baron isn't quite invulnerable. And so he begins to plan out a new strategy. Do you want to be holding the book? No, you're fine. Back in Japan. Unless you want me to hold the book. I don't care. It's your book. Every uh, couple pages we keep moving back and forth. It's interesting. Back in Japan, a dazed Wonder Woman attempts to use her magic lasso to end the fight. But the samurai's powers disorient her and allow him to catch it before he can be snared. But a quick kick to the crotch and a hard flip onto his head knocks him right out. Works for me. That's, that's why I don't fight women. Wonder Woman just told you to sit down. It's also why I don't fight men. Wonder Woman! <laughs> I was waiting to see if I would break you. Oh, yep. Only took like 15 times six before you finally the, broke. I appreciate that. Only took six that. eighths of the, of the issue. In New Orleans, or Nolans. Nolans. Nolans, sorry. Um, Superman realizes that Baron Blitzkrieg's powers involve the use of concentration. So he uses what he calls, and what actually may be called officially, the five-blow combo. <laughs> uh, we are in a family place, man. I sneezed. Uh-huh. Five blows that aren't enough to take him down, or how. <laughs> there aren't enough to take him how. You don't take him how. But are enough to overload his pain centers and short-circuit his mind, making him easy to take down. At this point... Zwerg, who we have failed to mention the entire time. Who? Zwerg, his little uh, little person henchman. Oh, his, his, his little person, yes. His little assistant. And when I mean little, I mean like... In, in, in sort of the Twin Peaks kind of way. Yeah, like child size but adult. Yeah. Um, Zwerg comes up to Superman and reveals that, he, that the real Zwerg was actually kidnapped by the OSS months ago. By the way, it does not sound weird at all or feel weird saying the word Zwerg over and over again. Zwerg! Wonder at Woman! A com- at a comic... At a, you know, comic convention at a celebration. Luckily, it's empty at the moment, so we <laughs> have a the quiet moment. standing right behind me at the time. Yeah. Um, so Zwerg, apparently, the real Zwerg was kidnapped by the OSS, and this guy has actually taken his place and has been secretly reporting back to the War Department. Unfortunately, his contact was killed a few days ago, and he was unable to inform Washington of the Baron's plans before he could actually initiate them. So, all in all, nothing nothing, measure, nothing lost, nothing gained? Pretty much. Uh, so the agent gives Superman the Baron's half of the reactor, and the hero flies off. Okay. Well, right after that, we got kicked out of the uh, place. Darkseid did it. Yeah, it's Darkseid's fault. Okay. <clears throat> Soon, the heroes meet up on an island in the middle of the Pacific, with the reactors and villains in tow. As the heroes argue over what to do with the reactors now, the Baron, who had been faking, which I misspelled. The Blaren Baron? The Blaren Baron had been faking his unconsciousness and activates one of the reactors, hitting both heroes with its energy. With Wonder Woman and Superman down, oh wait a minute, with Wonder Woman down, Samurai is able to free himself from her lasso and attacks the Baron. After all, if Japan can't have the reactors, no one can as they fight, Superman uses his X-ray vision to unbalance the radioactive core, which sets the heroes free. But it also turns the reactor into basically an atomic bomb. There is that. Both heroes try to warn the villains, but they just believe it's some kind of trick. And soon, from miles away, Superman and Wonder Woman watch in horror as the island, and presumably the villains, are destroyed in a fiery holocaust. 
The next morning in Washington, Superman and Wonder Woman meet with President Roosevelt, who assures Wonder Woman that as long as he is president, America will never use the bomb to kill. This satisfies Wonder Woman for now, but she knows that the use of the bomb is inevitable, if not by this president, then by another, and that the world will never be the same. And that brings us to the end of the tale. Oh, good. Yeah. It was a pretty epic ending. Yeah, it ended with an atomic explosion. You can't get more epic than that. No, well, the fight was... I mean, now that Superman and Wonder Woman have worked out their beef, as per the comics, you know, <clears throat> comics formula, of course. we have a misunderstanding, we fight, we come to an understanding, we defeat the villains. Right. Then, it, I mean, once they decide to really go at the villains, it is game on. Sumo was actually somewhat impressive, too. He was basically on equal ground with Wonder Woman. Yeah. That ain't easy to do. No. <laughs> I mean, Superman was having trouble with, with her. Well, yeah. But... Especially if you look at the back cover. <laughs> the, the clawing of the face. So, page 51, as far as notes. Okay. They say that they're only using the lights along the coasts, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you notice this but um yeah i will agree they go along the east coast but then they go along the gulf coast and then they go across the mexican border uh, you know why not we well it's not a east... coast i know it's not a coast but i mean it works but technically... maybe they just got in on the action like well yeah. we want to be we want to be like these coasts it's possible maybe not i don't know i don't know it's a valid valid criticism so let's see, page 50, do you have anything before 54? Uh, no. Uh, 54. Now, I realized that, and I think I pointed this out when I was doing the synopsis, I realized the saying... Wonder Woman! Thank you. I realized that seeing a woman flying over the Pacific in a sitting position might be a curious sight, but how is it they can tell she's in a fighter plane if the thing's invisible? Well, I didn't think that through. That's why the invisible... I mentioned that's why the invisible jet is probably the most worthless accessory ever. Yeah, but see, they're like an American fighter. Attack! They probably know of her jet. No, no, can't back that up. Because the story demanded it. Yep. Because, yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. It makes no sense otherwise. Um, pages 55 and 56. Okay, now, in order to find out where the Germans are hiding in New Orleans... The Germans. The Germans are hiding in Nolens. 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 I find it interesting that Superman has to talk to a drunk. I love this. I mean, who looks like Mixus Pitalik a little. He does, and he's even got a little hat. But the, the funny thing is, the drunk keeps trying to get him to buy him a drink, and Superman keeps offering breakfast. But it's nighttime, right? Yep. But, you know, we, I'll buy it for you, you know, in the morning, maybe, is what he's trying to say. Okay. After he's made the arrests. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. But, does that mean I get my drink? Breakfast! Breakfast! Breakfast. And, and the, um, well, they used a kind of foreign language and said he was a schwein. Sh schwein? 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 That's it. That's what they said. Schwein? My friend, you've done a great service to the country. That's right. Um, I have no more um, notes until page 69. You got anything before that? Uh, wow, you jumped 
quite a ways away. Yeah, well, it's just kind of fighting. Well, I know. mentioned Sumo being actually a formidable foe and kind of an interesting origin. If it's it's a derivative, you know, it's definitely kung fu. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Wonder Woman. <gasps> but no, Sumo was actually interesting and. I did not expect that. That, that. that was my biggest surprise. Was I saw Sumo? I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, this isn't gonna happen. But, dang, this guy. He made it a tough battle for. Her. Oh, good. They picked that up. <laughs> um, do you have anything? Uh, anything else? No. no. All right. Well, moving right along. What did? What about the Baron Blitzkrieg battle? Uh, I hate to admit it, but not 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 as exciting. <laughs> No, basically it was just punching. Yeah, punching, flying. Yeah. Granted, you didn't see it that much in a Bronze Age Superman comic because you couldn't really. Could you not? Well, not too often. Okay. Maybe by this point they were starting to, but for a while there he wasn't. Didn't have too many of the supervillains showing up. True. And when it's Lex Luthor, you can't really go physical. <laughs> Punch his head them. right off. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, that's awkward. <laughs> Slightly. But page 69 is where my notes start. Or pick up. Now, Superman finds, or Superman and Wonder Woman figure out that he's turned the reactor into a bomb with his x-ray vision. Simple, right? But the Earth-1 Superman would have smothered the bomb or possibly contained it in his indestructible cape. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I don't know, picked it up, flown at super speed into space and thrown it into the sun, possibly? Oh, he definitely would have thrown it in the sun. That's, oh, his, yeah. that's his M.O. That's his M.O. The sun is his dumping grounds. Scott Gardner agrees. <laughs> hey, now he'll listen. Well, we got to tell him we mentioned oh, him. Oh, I'll tell him. Um, but I, I just thought it was interesting that Wonder Woman and Superman just basically, like, if the bad guys aren't listening, get the heck out of here. <laughs> we got to go. Yeah, and they just leave and let them die. It just, I mean... It's Earth 2, whatever, and this is the version of Superman that, in his first appearance, threw bad guys out of a window with guns wrapped around their necks, oh, but, you, you know, it just was one of those things that struck me weird when this, when, since, you know, he kind of looks like the Earth 1 Superman. Definitely yeah, a difference. With you. It's, a, it's hmm? definitely confusing. Had it been Earth 2, it'd be like, oh, okay, you left him to die, we're cool. However, the villains kind of did it to themselves. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't hold. I'm not. I'm not holding the heroes completely at fault or anything. But yeah. And then on the last page, uh, Roosevelt keeps his promise. I because it was um, Truman. Yep, it was Truman when when they bombed Japan. So it was never used as a weapon during Roosevelt's presidency. And fortunately, of course, in the real world, he never made that promise to Superman no, and Wonder no, Woman. No, but... no, but as far as Earth Two goes. And fortunately, it really hasn't been used again since as a weapon of war. It's Thankfully. been used for threatening, but not for... Oh, we got them. Oh, we got them. Oh, em. we got them, yeah. We've got them, those Ruskin, Ruskins. Ruskies? The Ruskies. Ruskies? The, the Soviets. That's easier to say. The Soviets, yeah. they're not going to beat us because we've got the bomb. But yeah. And that's it. That is it. So overall, I mean, did you feel satisfied having when you finished the book itself? I did. It was fun. I agree. It was a fun little adventure. It's not one of those, it's not going to be one of those deep, thought-provoking tales, but it's very, you know. 
no, but I thought it had a lot of intrigue. It had a, it had a, a good balance of, of plot and intrigue. It kept you moving all the way till the end. I will and the ending with that. did come to a good climax, and it's it's really I can't ask much more from a book. No, well, and I mean, and the action was it was very much like a um, like a summer blockbuster. Yes, and not it, quite as vapid as a Michael Bay, but no, and with the uh, the storytelling storytelling techniques of 1978, you got a lot more than just a simple blockbuster. You got a full and complete tale. <laughs> I was very, very satisfied with it. Uh-huh. I, th- I, th- I think I paid under $10 for mine. Worth worth the money. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. Before we end the episode, uh, we thought we'd go over some of the stuff we've done since, I believe, the intro to Dave's show. We talked about what we had done the day before we did our live podcast. Day one, yes. Yes. So, day two. I'm going to open a soda on the air. Let's. There we go. Yeah. Day two. Oh, I gotta get my water eventually. Anyway, day two in Metropolis started kind of late. Well, yeah, we kind of took it leisurely today. Kind of. We we left the hotel at the same time, but we also stopped in in Paducah where we're staying to have breakfast. Yes. Before hitting the uh, celebration. And Dave's shirt is more of a uh, today had a cape and was more of a Superman costume type shirt. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of little kids in there going, "Hey, it's Superman! It's Superman!" Because you, you know, have Dave, no idea how, how awesome that was for me. <laughs> I can only imagine as he's walking across the restaurant, and the parents are going, "Look, kids, it's Superman!" <laughs> Complete with sp- wait, no, you don't have the I, hair. I don't have any hair. Yeah, just like stubble. Yeah, it's, it's stubble. Looks like you haven't shaved bald. your head. In a few I shaved days. my head. Um, and then after that, we went into town. We. Basically, kind. Of, I mean, we went in and we met some people. I got some pictures with some cosplayers. So did you? You met Crypto. I met Crypto. Oh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna confess something. You've never heard a 35 year old man become an eight year old boy so fast. Because <laughs> I saw this beautiful white lab with a cape, and I'll admit I just go, "Oh, Crypto!" and kind of floated right over to the dog. He really did. It was a sweet dog, though. He he was very kind. Gave me a kiss. Yeah, before I could get the picture taken, I felt terrible. <laughs> so, unfortunately, we didn't get the picture of the kiss, but we did get a picture of Dave with Crypto. Yeah. And then I met um, both Danny and Heather Kelly. Who you'll know from the Kingdom Come fan trailer. Yes, they are basically known across the internets, or the interwebs, as Mr. and Mrs. Superman. He's usually Superman, or he's most well-known for his portrayal of Superman and, as a cosplayer. Mm-hmm. And she's mostly... A Supergirl. Yes. She also does some of the other characters like Black Canary and the White Queen. Basically, if it's a woman and she's blonde, she will dress up as her. Yeah. Uh, including Power Girl. She does a pretty good Power yes, Girl, Yes, she did a wonderful Power Girl. So, 
she was, and I had to get a picture with her because she was in the Bronze Age Supergirl outfit as in the, costume, the sweater, the well, I call it a blouse, kind of a well, okay. with the floofy sleeves, floofy, and the collar with the cape. Yep, and the um, S over her left, left upper um, upper um, chest upper chest area. We won't yeah, anyway, and um, yeah, so that was cool. And then um, unfortunately, she had some really high heels. She could not have been comfortable walking around. No, but she's she's done this cosplay for a while. She knows yeah, how to probably, deal with it. She's got it down. And then we uh, basically made our way to Artist Alley. Yes, uh, revisited a few. Uh, Charlie here got books signed. I did. I got Brett Breeding to sign my Superman number seventy-five, uh, which, if you, in case you don't know, is uh, that's when he died. What? And, spoiler. Dang it! Twenty years later. And then um, he also, just because I happen to have it with me anyway, also signed my Superman number seventy. Seven, which was the final part of the funeral for a friend storyline. He, I could have gotten him to sign um seventy six because I also had that with me, but I couldn't get to it in time really, and I didn't want to waste his time because he was busy trying to draw something. Hmm. So um, I just let that go. And Ron Friends, uh, uh colored. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> Assigned my um Superman number one twenty three, which would be the debut, the glow in the dark cover, special edition cover. For the issue that introduced the Blue Energy version of Superman. Blue Energy, I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. Blue period. Meanwhile, Dave got a special little bit of art from, again, from Justin Castaneda. Yes, I revisited him. When we said his name wrong, it's Casta... Castaneda. Castaneda. So I said it wrong again. It's Castaneda. Sorry, Justin. Um, he might be listening to this. If so. you look up the hashtag cardboard drawings, and that board is B-O-R-E-D, as in I'm bored. Cardboard drawings. He has been doing a, a drawing a day for the last year. He's on uh, not quite a year. He said 179, I think he yeah. said. And I, so this time, since we were doing the live podcast, which you heard, I wanted a sign. Uh, I, had, I got him to do, sketch me a Superman holding an on-air sign. And I'll, oh, be, awesome. I'll probably be doing a scan of this and putting it up in the posting. There will also be a link to his blogs. Uh, by all means, check our postings this time. Most of the time I know a lot of listeners just get it from itunes just get it probably. from itunes but please go to either supermanforever.com or superman at the bronzeage.com and check our show notes yes because we're going to be including the artwork that we got that we've mentioned both uh, when we introduced it on dave's show yesterday or yesterday last week last or, week or, or today or whatever <laughs> and this episode we are going to include pictures of the artwork we had uh, we got done so you can see exactly what we were talking about yes it's some fantastic artwork. You and this will is like it. Wonderful. Um, it is beautiful. See, I had that done while you were seeing Brett Breeding and Ron Friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I technically, because once again, even though I've downloaded the software, for, I didn't think to take out my iPhone and talk to or ask him a question. But to be fair, they really weren't in the interview mode. They were just kind of talking. You had to yeah. set up a special time to interview them anyway. For for interviews for, for them, by the way, Billy Hogan Superman fan podcast. Billy will be interviewing them. In fact, as we record this, he will be recording them tomorrow morning. Yes, uh, and uh, he will be talking down, sitting down, and talking to both of them. So, if you want to hear an interview with the two with those two creators, I recommend um, checking that out. We'll let you know probably by the time I'm guessing by the time we do show notes for these, we'll probably know when those are going to be when that show will be available. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll keep you posted. Anyway, I did ask Brett Breeding a cool question about um, his time on 
Action Comics. Yeah, and I was kind of fascinated with the answer. Yes, uh, for anyone that's read Action Comics during the late 80s, really, um, not long, uh, right around, I guess, 89, when Superman came back from his long exile in space, um, the comic was being written, and the, the credits read, written and drawn by George Perez, finished by Brett Greeting. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that the plans were that George was basically kind of the plotter, obviously, and he would do breakdowns on the full-size art, I guess you call it a board. Art board, yeah. And then Brett Breeding would come in and do the finished pencils and then ink it. And that was the artwork. And I thought that looked pretty. Yeah. It looked really nice. Um, according to Brett, now, the, the issue, the number of issues might be a little off because we're talking more than 20 years ago. But roughly three issues later, um, George Perez decided, okay, before I do this, because it kind of sounds like I'm being, I'll be kind of mean to him, keep in mind that around this time, George Perez was becoming known for, other than his time on Wonder Woman, was becoming known for kind of picking up a project and leaving after a few issues. Mm-hmm. He was starting to do that. He, kind he was of dabbling. Went, he was kind of getting burned out, I guess, maybe after all that time on Teen Titans and uh, drawing the massive crisis crossover. So he was kind of starting and then leaving early on several projects. Well, after about three issues, roughly, George decided he didn't want to be doing the breakdowns anymore. So around that time, um, this would also counter, uh, count as to when apparently they, they were saying in the books that George had the flu. So I'm not sure. Maybe he did. Maybe it was just a timing thing. Anyway, around this time, they brought Ron... Um, not Ron. Brett. Roger. Oh, Roger Stern. 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 Roger Stern would come, came in and helped to write the books. Uh, Perez was still supposed to be doing the breakdowns, but he did, no longer wanted to do it on the big boards. He would do it on a regular sized piece of paper. And they brought in Carrie Gamble to draw the to take take George's breakdowns and draw them on the big board. Basically, in a simplistic version of his Carrie Gamble style, which to me says. Kind of almost like something you could see animated. Yeah. And then Brett Breeding would go through and finish those pencils and then do the inks. And that's how they did it for a few more issues But before George decided that he didn't even want to do that. So apparently he was kind of plot assist, I guess, with Roger. And even though he apparently retained the credit for helping with art, it was mostly a Carrie Gamble Brett Breeding affair by that point. George really wasn't doing much. And then, of course, shortly after that, after the Eradicator story wraps up, George is completely gone, uh, and they bring in Bob McCloud. Of the Clan McCloud. Of the Clan McCloud, yes. And not long after that, apparently, Mike Carlin said uh, preferred uh, Brett's inks over Dan Jurgens, then over Bob McCloud, so he moved Brett over to Adventures of Superman. That's a good pairing. Yeah, and... Bob McCloud did pretty good inking on his own, but um, also having bringing Dennis Rodier in was also pretty. But All so of the above. that <laughs> is pretty basically how the art chores worked for that era of action comics, which I found pretty interesting because they never really gave a good answer in the comics. Probably because they couldn't they couldn't find a way to do it without making George Perez sound bad. Was my yeah, guess. but I don't I don't see it negatively on George Perez. Well. I see it as he came on here with this idea of what they wanted to do with the Eradicator. And then after three issues, he gets tired of doing one thing. 
and then after three more issues, he gets tired of doing, you know, doing that. And then another couple of issues, and basically he was trying to do as little work as possible. It seemed like, mm. but I was in any event, and of course we don't, we don't know that side of the story. Yeah, we he don't know his side of the story. Expectations that were given to him. Yes, that but, maybe he would be a full-on writer. So yeah, and to clarify, this is all from Brett Breeding's point of view, his version of the story, told more than twenty years later. Yeah, we don't know. I mean. No one was there to. Ref- there was no one else at the thing today to refute any of that. Um, you know, George wasn't there. Mike Carlin wasn't there. They were the, really the only other two people. Maybe and Carrie Gamble would be really the only other guys that would know for sure what was going on. So that's all we know. But that was a pretty interesting tale to find out. I was really. And Brett even said it was a very good question when I asked him about it. Yeah, it is a good question. I'd have tried being an interviewer sometime. That would have been, that would have been great. We ought to come back to one of these things as press. Well, we did such a bang up job this year. I'm sure they'll ask us back. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking with press badges, we might actually try interviewing people. We don't need no stinking badges. It gets us in easier. Maybe. Anyway. Anyway. So we hung around Artist Alley. Um. Went through, went over. We just kind of wandered around for a while. Looked at more cosplayers. And then it was time to do the live show. We got all set up. And then you kind of heard us recording. <laughs> you know yeah, where you that Yeah, you were went. there. You were there. You saw it. You heard it. Well, you didn't see it, but you heard it. So Billy, Billy, Billy joined in. Yeah, we kind of... Billy, he showed up just to be supportive, and we're like, hey, Billy, jump in. Because how often do we get to hang... You know, we yeah, don't... You, you don't get to hang out with Billy. And besides, I mean, it's one thing to the two of us to record, but I mean, to bring Billy, we might as well get as many people as we can. Yep. And it was fun. I, I really it. enjoyed it. Yeah, I was glad. Um, after that, we we actually uh, wandered a little bit more. Ron Friends yelled at me. <laughs> I mean, he was giving us a hard time, but yeah, uh, Dave and I made the uh, error of trying to look at a cover that it was Ron a sketch had cover. Drawn. Yeah, yeah, it was a blank cover to I believe an issue. I want to say it was an issue of Batman, and someone had asked him to draw. Batman on the cover and we saw it it was sitting basically next to his seat at his table because he was up to wa- uh, talking over to some guy that was watching Brett Breeding do his art yeah actually Art Baltazar Brett Breeding and Ron Raw doing some sort of kind of having a jam session humble, yeah. humble huddle and um, so we were walking up and the can- the covers there and it's kind of upside down to where we were standing so we we're trying to stare at it and turn our heads so we could see it correctly, and all of a sudden, really loud, we hear, Don't stare at my Batman! <laughs> That's creepy! That's creepy! I mean, he's totally giving us a hard time. I mean, Ron Friends was very personable. Oh, he was a good guy. He would rile up the crowd. In fact, uh, when I was standing in line for my autograph, uh, some a kid had brought in an, an issue, the issue that introduced the black costume Spider-Man. Yeah, I know, and I saw that. I have that issue if I thought about it. Oh, and, well, he gave the kid a lot of crap about it. He's like, you realize this is a Superman celebration, right? <laughs> and the, kid's like, the, kid, the kid really didn't react. He just kind of, <laughs> you know, because you're nervous talking to a superstar. Yeah. Anyway, so he was, and Ron had a bunch of issues of his Superman Beyond issue zero. Which is an excellent read, by the way. Yes, since... that he had drawn with, I believe it was written by Tom DeFalco. If I remember correctly, yes. I believe so. And uh, this was, this would have been, or maybe it was, 
Paul Levis. Either way, uh, this would have been uh, an issue that came out shortly before the New 52. Like right before. It was yes. supposed to be a one-off, and then it led into the, the digital Superman Beyond yes. series, which That's is actually right. good would, on its, in, in itself. This would have been Tom DeFalco. Paul Levitz did the introduction of the idea of the Superman and Batman Beyond over in an annual on Superman Batman. Kind of, yeah. I think so. Of course, anyway. the, the Batman Beyond kind of introduced the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway... Um, so anyway, he he spent he was selling those for cover price basically. Yeah, I think maybe two dollars. It was three dollars, two so. or three dollars. And uh, he said, "Okay, let me tell you what, kid. Since you didn't bring any Superman stuff, and this is a Superman celebration, I'm going to go ahead and give you this book. I'll sign it." He signed the cover and then told him that um, if he promises to read it twice before he leaves the Superman celebration this weekend, <laughs> he gave it to him for free. And the kid promised, and Ron gave it to him for free. Yeah. And the, the mom even was like, how much do I really owe you? He's like, oh, no, seriously, it's free. Go ahead. Yeah. So that was really cool. I like it when they do stuff like that. It's kind of cool. He's not only promoting reading of comics and encouraging the kid to enjoy Superman, but, you know, also telling the kid, hey, I draw really nice. Check it out. Yeah. Take mm-hmm. a look. It's in a book, really, because it's reading Rainbow. Really? No. I can go anywhere. Stop. Butterfly in the sky. <laughs> so, exactly. So anyway, uh, we're talking about our second time around, right? So we watched a few more people draw stuff, picked up a couple more things. I think we, we even donated some money to what comic? Um, Sky. Dang it. Hold on. Captain in the World of... No. Skyville? Skyville. Is it Skyville? <clears throat> Is it Skyville? It is not. By Charles... There we go. It's Charles Ettinger. And he has a mini... He has a webcomic called The Town of Skyward. Skyward, yeah. Yes. And basically he was accepting donations. Whoa. That makes a little wibbly. Yeah, sorry about that. I I bumped the mic. So uh, you make a little donation and you get the free mini comic. Well, technically free. It's a full comic. You get the mini... Well, it's called... It calls itself a mini comic. Okay, I'm sorry. But it's it's basically a black and white comic featuring the characters of his Skyward. Town of Skyward comic. Yes. And uh, so we both donated a little bit of money, and uh, he not only gave them to us, but uh, gave us the comics, but he signed them. And uh, personalized them. Mm-hmm. And he liked my name because I'm Charlie, and Charles is a great name. He never said he liked your name better than mine. I sa- he said, what is your name? And I said, Charlie. Oh, great name. Oh, I got a Legion print from, Scris- from Chris Sprouse. Chris? Yeah. Scris- Chris Sprouse. Sprouse. A Legionnaire print, to be specific. Stop I got, bumping the I'm mic. sorry. I got a picture with Wildfire and Dawnstar speaking of the Legion, just to throw that in there. But I'm sorry. That would be a photo. A couple of photos. Dawnstar had some working wings. Yeah, Those that was pretty, pretty cool. amazing. And Wildstar couldn't see, because technically the guy wasn't made of energy. Yeah, that's awkward. Yeah, but... Anyway, and then after that, we uh, basically, what did we do? We really well, that's we pretty much when we left, bit, Yeah. Um, kind of drove around Metropolis to look a little bit more at it. And then we had dinner with Billy and his wife. Which and was... sister. And sister, yes. Yes. That and was really cool. Yeah. We finally had a chance to just all sit down and chill for a little bit. and We didn't com- totally talk about comics. We actually talked about, I don't know, real life. Not like politics and crap, but like... Sports teams. Sports you know, teams. Travel plans. It was tra- really, yeah. really nice. Man, Billy, the, the Hogans have a long trip 
not just because they're going back home, but they're going to go visit some family in another state. Should we say it? I mean, it doesn't really matter. No. Uh, at a, in another state, and so they're making a real big trip out of this, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds like a great adventure. And, uh, yeah, it's like Six Flags. <laughs> so that's basically it. Then we came back to the hotel, and we wrapped up this episode. Yep, and now we're wrapping it up again. So, so do you have any final thoughts, Dave? I'm, I always, and I've said this several times, I'll say it again, I always feel slightly sad when it comes time to leave Metropolis and Paducah. Which it doesn't, really. Well, no, I mean, and, and this is my third celebration. And, you know, it's, it's. I always look, you know, if I'm crossing the bridge back to Paducah, it's like, this is the last time I'll see this bridge for possibly a year. I may not go next year. Who knows what could come up is why I say that. Exactly. The, the bridge could be rebuilt next year. What? Is a possibility. It's a possibility. It's not a likely thing. No. They'd have to get started like pretty soon. But I, I always feel satisfied like I've had a, an adventure. Oh, yeah. This Every has weekend. been a, a heck of a weekend. So what's your impression? Your first, your, your impression of your first This was Superman my first Superman celebration. celebration. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Ironically, neither one of us got a whole lot of Superman swag. I wasn't going to mention that, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not going to go in, We're not going to go into all that we bought. I think we might have mentioned that some of that in the intro. Part, yeah, I got a lot of Flash stuff to, to kind of fill out my Flash shelf. Yeah, I didn't get a whole lot. <clears throat> I didn't get a whole lot, um, really, that all that much. I got a. I did get that Superman and Crypto drawing yesterday. Yes, but Art Balthazar. Balthazar. Balthazar, and um, I did pick up a Superman annual from 1997 that uh, I didn't have before. Uh, so, but other than that, basically, any, anything I got that was Superman related, I just happened to be lucky enough to win at the meet and greets. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I did buy a sonic screwdriver, but I think I mentioned that last night too. But yeah, other than that, really there wasn't, we, we I mean, we just enjoyed hanging out. We got to see the music, Superman Museum, we got to, uh, got to meet Billy, meet Billy and the Hogan's, Steve Eunice, yep, Steve Eunice, Kenny Richardson, Douglas Meacham, and then a lot of the cosplayers that are pretty popular across the internet is mm-hmm. like, like the Kellys. Seriously. Today there was a four. The, the the cosplayers were out in full force today. Seriously. Yeah, Saturday. It's kind of interesting because Ron Friends was pointing out that Friday is the comic book fan day. Which was kind of weird because when we were in there, it was like empty. Just It's just a matter of timing. Yeah. But Saturday is more like the activity day. Yes. But today, it's busier overall, but not in Artist Alley. Today was the day Michael Rosenbaum was there for his only, only day of appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Margot Kidder and Tracy Scroggins were there for their second day. I almost say Cat Scroggins. This is a problem. And we actually um, got to watch a little bit of the Q&A. Yeah, we got to see Margot Kidder through the window again today. Yes. And it makes me feel like Superman and Superman Returns yeah, when we do we're that. Creeping. But, and it is Lois, technically. So We're creeping on Lois. That's wow. awesome. And Cat Grant. And Jerry the King Lawler. But... And the two uh, uh, actors from the Adventures of Superman. Yep, those two. But yeah, so that was it was it's it was a really great weekend. I was sad when we left Metropolis just cuz this was only my second trip to the town and my first Superman celebration and I know that when I go home it's not going to be the same, but no. On the other hand, I am kind of glad to be going home. Yeah, I'll be glad to see my wife and my dog. Exactly. But um yeah, so it was sad, but I'm ready to go home. 
and we had a blast. Is there anything else? Just, you know, when we were we were there, what I would normally do and what we did was walk up and make one last pass at the street. I try to absorb a little bit of it because there is a positive vibe to the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Especially right at the end. I think the best exclamation point was right at the end as we're leaving. We saw Superman taking pictures with kids. Yeah. The, the official Superman of Metropolis who just, you know, I've, I've said he has this magnet, you know, charm... There's something about him that just fits and a perfectly. a smile that goes all the way across his face yeah. like he's got a hanger in his mouth. Yeah. And it just, you kind of have to have a little smile when you see him. Yeah, it's awesome. But he was he was really nice about, you know, picking up the kids for the pictures and stuff. It was really cool. It, it was really hot out there today. Yes. So, not just him, but any cosplayer. I feel bad for them because I was sweating in a t-shirt and shorts. I can't imagine how they felt. But anyway, so that's it. That's our episode of... Uh, this is a special episode of Superman of the Bronze Age. This Also this week is it would be the commentary for Superman 3. So I hope you can check that out. And um, I'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer and J. David Weider. The home of the show is at www.supermanofthebronzeage.com, where you will find show postings, links to the RSS and iTunes feeds, and more. You can also find the show on Facebook, where you'll get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted, and on Stitcher Smart Radio. Superman of the Bronze Age is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. There you will not only find postings for this show, but also for many other Superman-related podcasts. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Listen to our show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. <laughs>